Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Full Money. Welcome to Motley Full Money, the podcast that has finally balanced as Australian interest rates. Well, maybe that's because I'm the yin and he's the yang, or he's the yin and I'm the yang. I'm not entirely sure. Andrew Page, g'day. G'day, mate. How are you going? I'm well. Which one are you? Are you the yin or the yang? The yin or the yang, I should say. I, well, I think, I think it's... Uh uh, it doesn't really matter. It's oh, more that one is very philosophical one, for this Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah it matter. It's just one the mirror of the other. <laughs> is that true of us? Do you reckon? Say again. Is that true of us? Are you are you the uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde or vice versa? Well, given the conversation we just had off air, I think definitely. <laughs> well, this is, can I tell you, I just spared you from a 43-minute conversation about Bitcoin, uh, which is the first and last time I mentioned the B word this podcast. Yeah, it, I it won't was, go there. It was actually really good fun. So we actually really should pre-record this, uh, the, pre, the pre-meeting chats, because that, that was, it was fascinating. I'm not going to go down that path, Matt, because we'll, we'll lose half an hour. Let's not do it. Hey, Let's uh, not but do we, it. we will probably come back to, we'll certainly come back to Bitcoin when I get back from, from holidays, I'm sure. Mate, hey. um, <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Uh, speaking of Bitcoin, uh, can you buy strawman.com memberships in bitcoin do you know i did look at it did you? um yeah you can get various plugins but again i'm not i'm gonna i'm, I'm just gonna end it there because <laughs> we're gonna segue off into a 40 minute conversation all right well, let's go have to what strawman is then we can move on uh a private online investment club i'm still surprised mate uh, let's let's get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast because it was another big week economically we mentioned last week uh, that consumer spending seems to, or this is my, my view, I, won't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I think consumer spending has kind of tipped over a peak, uh, certainly in terms yeah. of discretionary retail. No, I'm with you there. Declines. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it's objective. Fa- Look, there's, there's, we've got to be very careful with our language. And I think mm. kind of one of the things that frustrates me in a lot of the reporting, because there is what has happened yeah. and then there's what we think is going to happen. Yes, and, and what's happening, so right? Most of our data is looking back, you know, a week, two weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, before, you know, GDP exactly. numbers. Exactly, last quarter. Or, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so to, just to be clear, objectively, to date, and yep. anything could happen tomorrow, spending is, is falling yeah. off a cliff. Yeah. Just particularly, um, particularly discretionary spending, obviously, and by definition, because if it's non-discretionary, you can't avoid it. Uh, yep. But it seems like you know that national savings number is happening. Speaking of which, mate, this is the reason I bring that up. Not to not to read you last week's podcast, but we had the Reserve Bank minutes, the Reserve Bank board meeting minutes out today. I'm always fascinated about when they were. Oh, sorry, this week. I'm fascinated when they have like a statement, which is what they're doing. And they have the minutes, which are kind of like a bigger version of the statement. I, I do wonder whether there's a need for both those things, but maybe you have to go on. You know. Edit the statement. No, but there is a very, okay. there is, there is a very important need for it. Uh, I think. Yeah, I know. Um, I agree. I just uh, having them separate a week later seems just unusually kind of. Oh yes. It's, 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 certainly, you know, give us a minute at, at the time of the statement. You know, just make it one thing. But anyway, do you know what it is? Go it's on. it's like so many things in this life. Which is well, why is it like that? Because oh, that's how we do it. <laughs> we've always done it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but but why? Well, we've always done it <laughs> yeah, that way. Correct. Yeah, but why? Well, and it just uh, round and around we go, which is really dumb. Yeah, you know it. It's uh, it's it's particularly important. Um, so I wanted to. So let, let, let's talk about that because when the statement was released, the markets had priced in a almost a absolute certainty of a rate rise last month, and they were expecting the July or this month the July um, uh, decision to also be an increase in rates. And the RBA kind of shocked most market watchers, to use that horrible cliched phrase, uh, by saying the decision was actually more finely balanced. Their phrase than mm-hmm. I think anyone else had kind of assumed. And it really did kind of change the expectations for future rate rises as well. 
what we talked about, we talked about retail spending. They talked about, um, obviously, internationally, things are slowing down. Uh, we know that. And there's also interest rates around the rest of the world. Uh, but they talked a lot about what's going on in the Australian situation. And maybe, as you say, we talk about retail spending. Or just a couple of quotes here. Uh, quote, members noted the labor market remained very tight. Nonetheless, conditions had eased slightly alongside slower growth in economic activity. Uh, they say employment growth had been a little less than the growth in the working age population over that period. Uh, they talked about the growth in wages. They talked about um, they talked about the Fair Work Commission's increase, by the way. Um, uh, they're not overly worried about that, at least for now, because of it's a, a smallish share of the wage bill. Um, and they also talked about the gradual easing in inflation. Um, not only the, the monthly, sorry, the quarterly CPI, they actually included the monthly uh, number in their commentary mm. as well. It does seem, mate, to me uh, that this is something of... Well, the language feels like it's changed. The language feels a lot more, uh, I'll say inclusive. It seems to be more broad in its commentary rather than just inflation and economic growth and interest rates. Um, pulling employment in there, uh, household pain. I assume they've learned the lessons from some of the recent Senate committee <laughs> meetings <laughs> where they've been taken to task on not feeling like they were... They were, um, they were suitably, uh, at least making the right noises make the right noises but, I, but I'll just I'll just read this last bit because this is the bit that kind of grabbed me he said quote in taking the decision to increase interest rates again members acknowledge the considerable uncertainty regarding the outlook for household spending and the financial stresses facing some households given this they agreed to continue to monitor trends in household spending closely and consider the implications for the inflation outlook important word as well as developments in the global economy and domestic labor markets they do finish by saying exactly what they've said for a long time, which is, quote, members affirm their determination to return inflation to target and their willingness to do what is necessary to achieve that, end quote. Uh, can you translate mate. that? Can you just, can you just, I'm, I'm not the smartest. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, mate. Can you, can you? You are, you, you, are um, set, you are setting me up to give you something you can then respond to. We all know what's happening. No, 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm general, I'm really not. It's all right, just so, like, there well, just let, seems let me, like a lot of like... jargon in that. Break it down <laughs> to me. Because what I hear there, yeah, when yeah. you say that, I hear, uh, maybe this could, I don't know. Anyway, we're going to try and keep inflation down. That, that's basically what it, what it's, am I, am I being too harsh there? <laughs> So let's. We're gonna look uh, at this. We're gonna look at that. Maybe this will happen. I don't know. But generally, we, we're still we're still going to try and do our, our job and, and fulfill our mandate. Like, okay, yes. I kind of would expect <laughs> you to fulfill your mandate, and I kind yeah. of expect you to watch these things. But but you haven't actually said definitively anything other than, "Wow, this is really hard. We don't really know. Mm -hmm. We'll keep watching." And that's that's exactly this is the this is the challenge of all this stuff, right? You and I dislike forecasts immensely. Um, one of my favourite things I, I did a uh, I did a breakfast. A shout out by the way, weren't listening from the Cardinia Shire business breakfast. I addressed those guys on Tuesday morning, and uh, I, I showed them the chart of the RBA's forecast with their seventy percent, ninety percent confidence intervals. And we can't <laughs> do it justice on a podcast because it's audio. Uh, but from memory, they've got a, they're ninety percent sure GDP will grow somewhere between half a percent and about six percent. <laughs> you kind of go, cool guy. By the way, that's only ninety percent. That's only one hundred percent guaranteed. It's like, well, so what you're really saying is you don't know. And again, that's you know that that is I, I like I appreciate they gave us that not just the forecast, but so here's the range. But it is it mm -hmm. is a reminder that when the range is that big, it's almost useless, as we've it said is. many many times. So what? Okay, let me let me pull out what I thought out of this last paragraph that was interesting, mate. Um, the first thing is about outlook twice. The outlook for household spending, and the inflation outlook. And what we know from central banks is they generally generally accepted 
that rates decisions take about six months to have full effect in the economy. It's a decent lag because people don't immediately change their plans, but sort of three, six months in, you've tightened the belt, spending has kind of tailed off, or conversely, when the rates go down, the reverse happens, you see things pick up over six months. So what's interesting for me is that they are looking for, it seems like they're looking forward and looking at household spending and saying, oops, this is going to get ugly. We just mentioned that. Um, but also, when they say the trends in household spending and considering the implication of the inflation outlook, what they're, what they're seeming to me to be implying is, hey, we think household spending is going to fall away. And when it does, that'll bring inflation down. And so maybe we don't have to do as much. Maybe we've done almost enough to break the back of this one. And that kind of what happens from here will... The, the momentum, you know, things tend to continue in the same direction. The old inertia thing that we learned in science. Um, they seem to be saying there is more chance that what they've already done so far, including what they did in the June meeting, which is increasing rates, uh, may do much, maybe may, may putting the economy on the right track and not requiring much more RBA activity. And mm. the, by the way, as I said, the, 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 the money markets had, had priced in an almost 100% chance of a rate rise in July. As soon as this statement came out, that dropped to 50-50. It's only a 50% chance now. <laughs> the Aussie dollar fell by 1%. Um, mm. So there is, there is a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of tea leaf reading, a lot of kind of, you know, we're telling you this so you can make your assumptions and decisions and whatever. But they seem to have had, if this was the, indeed the impact, and maybe I shouldn't have miscommunicated, it's always possible. If they have, it does seem to me like they're saying, we think, like we just said last week, things are starting to tip over and maybe not as much is required to get to where we want to get to. Yeah, amazingly counterproductive. Um, massive own goal from the RBA, in my so. humble opinion, this, this as I sit in the armchair. Yeah. Go on. I mean, so we all know markets are forward looking. You know, it's all, we, we know where we are now. Um, yep. We're all trying to guess where we're going to be. Yes. And so here they are desperately trying to tackle inflation. Yes. In the bumbling way that, in, you know, <laughs> that they, the only way that they, they can. And then they just signal to everyone that, but we probably, maybe, maybe we'll stop tightening. It's like, mm. oh, okay. So what, what is that? How does that change my behavior and market participants? Just everyone's behavior is like, yeah. oh, actually, maybe now is a good time <laughs> to buy a house. Maybe I don't need to. Because, because yeah. they've just said that well, we know where, I, I know exactly what the official interest rate is at now. I know exactly what Westpac is charging me for yep. a home loan, you know. And then, and the the central authority of money has just said, yeah, but maybe we'll we'll drop it down. So that's why it's counterproductive. Because on one hand, you're saying, well, we're going to increase the cost of money, because you guys are buying too much bread mm. and too much housing and too much petrol and too much essentials in life. We've got to stop <laughs> you doing that. Um, and and but don't worry, we'll probably stop doing that. So all that says to me, and I think what mm. it says to mm. a lot of people is that, oh, thank goodness, there's there's <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. which is which is massively counterproductive now i don't i don't necessarily think what they said is is wrong mm. and maybe they're they're right but don't see you, you've got to you've <laughs> kind of got to do a bit of yeah i mean it, it, it feels like um it feels a bit sneaky right okay. but it but but i wouldn't be saying that what would i would say? be saying i would have said we are 100 percent determined to keep inflation down right. or make it go down yep. and we'll do whatever it takes now that sends a very. No, you basically said the same thing, right? Yeah. You, you, you yeah. basically just said, "Oh, this is our mandate, and we're going to do, do our job," mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So it's. But the language matters. The language matters a hell of a lot because 
in reading that, people go, oh my gosh, maybe things are going to get worse. Maybe I will spend a little bit less. Maybe, mm-hmm. I, and, and that has the desired impact. When you say, I'm putting rates up, but don't worry, I'm going to probably, I'm more likely to put them down in the future. Mm-hmm. That, that, is, that is to me just counterproductive. Because, I, because there's, yeah. I said, I've said in a recent pod that one of the most important tools the RBA, the RBA has is mm. the jawbone. Mm. Yes. And, and, on, and the other is the actual policy mm. stance. So your policy stance is up, up, up. Uh, the jawbone stance is, but don't worry, it's going to be over soon. And, yeah. that, and that it just, you're, you're, you're going in opposite directions there. Except that. So I, I 100% agree with you if that was the intention of what they were trying to do. I have a suspicion they are trying to deliberately moderate their language because they're getting closer to the end of that. And I think they know, you've talked a lot before about the, the so-called narrow path, the IBA said. They're trying to go fall somewhere between high endemic inflation and a recession. They want to bring inflation down without causing a recession. If they can manage that, you know, angel on the head of a pin type stuff, then, then we're sweet. If they can't, then we're either going to have higher inflation or a recession. I have a suspicion that to use my landing path analogy and really torture the metaphor, they've got the flaps up and the nose up and they're kind of reducing the throttle, right? They're trying to say, yeah, we're coming in for a landing. Just so you know, uh, we think we're probably towards the end because retail spending is already falling off. If we, if we keep this rhetoric too significantly, too strongly, we will cause that recession we're trying to avoid. So I have a suspicion, mate, they are trying to, a bit like when they've gone pause, increase, pause, increase. You know, the, the, the average increase over a length of time, if you do plot that on a graph, You've kind of got this, you know, gently sloping curve replacing a very steep curve as they try and come into landing. And I, I would speculate. I mean, you might, they might still be wrong, by the way. You might be 100% right. But I think they're trying to say, we've told you. We told you we'll do whatever it takes. We told you more rate rises are possible. We're also saying, but we're mindful of these things. So as they gently change their rhetoric month in, month out, it'll, it'll start to say, okay, now we feel like we're probably there. We think we can give it a rest for a while. Okay, well, there might be conditions to cut soon. Now we might cut rates. You know, I can imagine if you're if you're kind of plotting the rhetoric, they're kind of they're trying to not they're trying to get economic activity down without crashing the plane. It's just any Zoolander fans out there will know what I'm talking about. There's this wonderful scene with Will Ferrell. It is going. Am I taking crazy pills here? Like, <laughs> what do, it's what do you the think same is look. Yeah, blue steel. I I think is we are. Let's let's just you know first principles this for a second. Yeah, go. On. We live in a world mm. where 12 people, yeah. um, half of which have no economic background whatsoever, yeah. put together a statement and the rest of us, it's in English ostensibly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, me, and every other financial pundit in the world yeah. and every homeowner in the world, we're all sitting there <laughs> trying, what do they mean by this? Mm. I, I think it means this, no, but I think it means this. And, and this- this is sort of like a fundamental underpinning of our entire economy yeah. that we're trying to guess, well, they said this, but what they really mean is this. I mean, it is a madness. It is an absolute madness to my, to, 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 to my way of thinking. Okay. Um, because <laughs> this is where we're at in, in the modern world, you know, sending probes to Mars and <laughs> I don't know, splitting atoms and doing all these, you know, literally building brains with silicon. Mm, mm. And, and we have these high priests who, who <laughs> stand on the mount and say, blah, 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 blah. Ooh, what does he mean by that? And they, you know, they've cut open the goat and they've put the entrails out and we're trying to figure out what that means. And it, it, is, it is an insanity. And I think it's an, it, it, it's, it, it seems like a really controversial thing to say because back to what we were sort of touched on at the beginning. Well, we've always done it that way. 
you know, and, well, we actually, we haven't, but in the modern era, we've always sort of done it this way. And it's kind of like, it's just accepted as like, you know, there were, there were, you know, um, Aztecs who would go and sacrifice a bunch of people because it would help it rain. And there'd be some person in the village going, wait a sec, this doesn't make sense. Like, buddy, we have always done it this way, right? Like, you know, what, who are you to question this? You know, and it just, I, it, I, I, I just feel as though it is, it is, and, and we have already spent, you know, 15 minutes trying to sort of tease this apart. We've done it umpteen times. We'll continue yeah. to yes, do we it. Will. Yes, we will. You know, columns and columns and pages and pages mm. of, 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 you know, commentary is, is all over newspapers on us trying to do it. Really smart people with PhDs mm. in economics both having cogent arguments, arguing the exact opposite things <laughs> on the utterances of one person, you know, essentially, and 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 the, and the consultations yes, they've yes. had with eleven others. I, I sometimes have to pinch myself and go, "Am I in the matrix here? I don't know. You know, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Like, no, it's not, it's not that I. I, I I'll, I'll come back and answer it more seriously. I don't. I hear what you're saying, and it's like that seems like a pretty reasonable interpretation is it right no idea yeah um let's go back and look at every other time that this has happened it happens every month basically yeah we're always wrong you know not, you're not just you know like generally as a general rule it's no better than a coin flip yeah. is to trying to guess this and yet we do this coin flip every single time <laughs> and go well and then you just said at the start i mean all of these forecasts are always wrong we go, ah, okay but what now i just like stop stop it Stop it! You know, it, it, it's it's uh, it's uh, I don't know. I I kind of hit my head on the wall at, at, <laughs> at a point where the 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 abs and, and and I don't want to stop using the word economy here. The very prosperity of us as a nation mm. and as individuals mm. in our lives hangs <laughs> on this. I don't. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I hear, I hear everything you say, mate. I really do. I. I think the problem is that I think the art. Uh, you're right that we do it because we always do it. And I find myself trying to explain away the status quo rather than rather than you know. I don't know if there's a better way. Because if it I didn't think, happen, and yeah. then you said actually this is the system that we right, should have, right, right, you would exactly. be laughed out of the room. You're not because it just happens that we've got decades of history of this this being the case. Except that, except that we know that behavioural finance is real, and so the combination of expectations. We know consumer confidence is a self-fulfilling prophecy. We know business confidence itself. You know, the, these things, because if you feel good, you spend. If you spend, the economy goes up. Feel bad, you don't spend. If you don't spend, the economy falls. You go, see, I was right to feel bad. The, 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 I think there's, a, there's, there's two things, right? They have to explain what's currently happening. They have to kind of point out a range of possible futures, acknowledging they're not going to know the answer anyway. So they give the market a sense of, look, we think this is probably going to happen. If it does, this is kind of how we'll, we'll respond, but we'll kind of hold our fire. I, I I would I wish Phil Lowe and others would stop giving predictions and, and you know the old twenty twenty four interest rate rise will be one of the more infamous ones, I think, for another couple of decades. Hopefully it doesn't get topped anytime soon. Hmm. So I think the prediction thing is stupid, but I do think there is some you know, the the nudge, if you like, from behavioral finance or behavioral psychology of kind of like just just kind of showing people a general direction, I think is is useful if you are trying to have to your point. You you said just tell them that things are tough, we're gonna keep raising rates. You know, that's no different to what they said here, except they want to be just less absolute about it because there is some point at which they are going to see things start to change. I will say, by the way, I have, whenever I've said they should stop giving, um, you know, the, the economists and journos, 
generally almost to a person want the rba to be more slash uh, quotes accountable give more press conferences and give more forecasts because otherwise what can we use to for our models and how are we supposed to know how to run the economy and you know i think i'm, I'm absolutely with you that the forecasting itself is is useless i i would ha- happily say to the rba don't give a press conference don't do any forecasts there is there is no need for the dog and pony show when we all know that we don't know so i'm 100 with you but if you are trying to then say to people by the way, here's what I want you to take from this in terms of what you do with your spending. There is some, and if it does take six months to take effect, there is some guidance needed. You know, it's almost it's almost the you know the the, the gentle the gentle um, leading leading edge, and then there's the main thrust, and then there's the what you kind of leave behind. Uh, you know, giving people a sense of maybe where things are headed towards for, for that sort of so you don't feel like you're changing on a dime, right? Today it's we're going to raise rates tomorrow. It's like yeah, we're finished. The after it's like we're going to drop rates. Um, nature abhors a vacuum but but economists abhor a vacuum even more um so, some some sense of here's how to think about the future is i think useful i think important i wouldn't do forecasts or predictions at all but i do think they should be able to say hey look here's what we think is going on here's what we're thinking about here's what we've been watching here's how we made our decision so i kind of find myself coming down somewhere between them and you in terms of what you want to provide people both market you know economists and you know uh money markets and all that kind of stuff but also just the average person we say right here's what you should expect i think you know if you think about you got a mortgage should i expect rates to go up or not okay well, a little bit more okay i can deal with that a lot more probably not okay cool that's good to know i think there's there's some value in that for people trying to make their own life choices mm. <laughs> yeah that was the least emphatic hmm, you've ever given me what, what you, uh, <laughs> it's hard it's wrong? hard i i no, I, I think it's it's a question of framing because i think we all start at a starting point of this is mm. how it has to and this is where i'm oh, going to go way off the deep end and i know i've said it before so it's a it's a stupid well, it's, you know, it's 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 a uh, nothing's going to change. So I'm I'm realistic with that kind of stuff. But I, I would I would again let's come back to first principles. So when the RBA increases official interest rate, what does that mean? What what's the mechanism at play? Are you asking me specifically? Or are you asking rhetorically? Yeah, no, I'm asking you. <laughs> okay. How does that so, impact me? How does that impact my? Why would so that it impa- impact it my the, home loan? It impacts the rate at which banks deposit or so the return they get from depositing money with the rba overnight the so-called over, overnight is the overnight money market rate i can't remember what's called the overnight something right it's called um, that that's that's yeah. the major transmission mechanism so i'm i'm a bank i'm a commercial bank yes um i lend money to people yes i make that appraisal based on your credit worthiness yes and the rest of it part of the factoring in is how much i have to pay in yes. interest rates correct correct now, assuming which is where, I'm solvent, which is where that comes from, yeah, 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 right. And and I think all Australian banks are solvent. You know, relatively, we're actually, you know, um, in pretty good shape, at mm, least mm. compared to where we were in in, in two thousand and seven. Mm. But sometimes, turns out, more people want some cash. Yeah. Other times, I've got a little bit of excess, so I just borrow off other banks. And we mm. have these things called reserve tokens. Essentially, yep. they just just it's um, actually in Australia they call them reserves in in on the Fed. Uh, they're called something else, I think term uh, uh, exchange settlement balances is what is what they're called. And so we have the central bank sort of acts here to sort of as a lender of last resort. Yeah. So we can, yep. we can sort of facilitate all of these kinds of things. Yep. So where the real myth out there is, is that it actually impacts it directly. It doesn't. Yeah. So this is, what, this, is, this is why QE didn't do anything to inflation after mm. the GFC mm. printed gazillions of dollars worth of stuff, but banks didn't lend. Therefore, Correct. we didn't have inflation, right? Correct. So they yep. can say, yep. so it actually only really, it, it affects me when I am when I am a net borrower from the RBA, but that's not the case mm-hmm. for all the banks at yep. the moment. Yep. 
Now we have these sort of rule in place. It's a benchmark, right? We have this convention in yeah, place yeah. where it's just like we have these products and we look at that and we adjust off that. Yeah. And so you don't have to, correct, right? Correct. I'm, I'm a Matt Common. I'm the head of the RBA. Yeah. I, I can set my interest rate. Whatever, yeah. oh, sorry, CBA. <laughs> I, I can set I can set my, my, my rates at whatever I want to, yeah. whatever I want to. I'll look at competitive dynamics. I'll look at the strength of my balance sheet. I'll look at the quality of but it, but it, it actually, it, it's, it's not something that has to happen, right? Mm. In fact, definitively didn't happen despite mm. everything that they were trying to do. All they did was just re recapitalize the banks after the GFC, mm -hmm. massive moral hazard, um, massive, uh, you know, I think um, uh, um, perturbation in the system, frankly, mm. I, it, just, it just creates, it creates a, a whole bunch of, of, of problems. So I feel as though, you know, I talk about Bitcoin, right? I mean, well, it's very complicated. <laughs> I would love for someone to come and explain to me the current system that we have. Draw me a diagram yeah, right, of right. what money is, where it comes from, how it works, what yeah. are the transmission yeah. mechanisms? I swipe my credit card here, what actually happens under mm -hmm. the hood? Mm -hmm. Diabolically complicated, yeah. diabolically complicated, right? And, and, and the so ultimate system built on a whole lot of other legacy systems. Yeah, like, okay, you like, do that, you do that, you do that on, that on top of that, gets added on top of that, and that has to go through that process. And yeah, exactly. Global trade is based off a system of computers that was designed in the seventies, <laughs> right? right? And probably still <laughs> exists in large part with green screens and yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it does. Yep. It does. Yep. You know. It, it, and and so what am I? What am I trying to say here? I, I guess what I'm trying to say. We're talking interest rates at one point. <laughs> and, I, and RBA I, guidance. It's it's. I'll do the Julia Gillard and say I reject the premise of your question in, in the sense <laughs> okay. that we say that we have within the current system that we have, okay, let's accept this is, is a, uh, a rule and mechanism anointed from on high and it's just the way of the universe. It's yep. like E equals MC squared. Yep. Uh, it's like the Heisenberg uncertainty. It's, just, it's like a law of nature. And then, okay, now we've got that. Let's, let's, let's intuit that going forward. Yeah. I'd actually just be more radical. I know it sounds, I'm wearing a tinfoil hat here. I just get, what, why? We don't, this, this is a completely man-made system. Yeah. I would say that actually what it does is that, and no one's, there's no evil um, yeah. cabal of lizard people here, right? They, the people are trying to do the it's right Ross thing. Charles, mate, you know that, come on. <laughs> um, but yeah. but to, have a, a, to have a system where you can have 12 people know everything that there is to know mm. about this dynamic chaotic system composed yep. of literally tens of millions of people and move one dial and make and and then control everything from there i just think is a nonsense i would say that generally what used to happen is as a bank i would i would i would a bank is basically an um an investment mechanism i take it from mm. savers i and I, I give it to other people who want to yep. invest yep. and i take a margin a on the way a, through yep. i make a margin on the way through yep right now, my, my, um, what gonna, what's going to keep me in check is that if I make a bunch of dumb loans, I'm going to go out of business. Right. Right? Um, we don't have that anymore. Right? So we, we, we have a complete moral hazard. So go for it, boys. Do whatever you like. And I say boys deliberately because it is boys, right? It's, <laughs> that, um, and that's probably, that's probably most of the problem, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. Why, why shouldn't it be? Yeah. That the, I would say the ultimate mechanism in determining the price of money mm. is like anything, whether it's mm. prawns or beanie babies or pet rocks, it's supply versus demand. Yeah. When there's a lot of demand for money, I will be able to 
and you know, I will be able to sort of lend that at a certain rate. I'll be able to make my calculus and, and so on and so forth. But I'll be very careful with what I do because it's existential if I get it wrong. It's not existential anymore. Mm. It's not existential. And so you can do whatever crazy crap you want to do. Look at, look at the US, watch the big short again, right? <laughs> but yeah, read the book, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. You know, and then like, oh, eh, no consequences. No con and so you have, you have these, you, you, I, guess what I, I guess what I'm saying is I would be more radical in how I would, I would solve the problem. Mm. And I just think we, we sort of have this one tool and we think that, that's, that this is the way it should be. And it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's good intention, I get it. And there's probably something to be said for having some kind of lender of last resort to sort of facilitate interbank mm. trade and settlement. That's probably a good idea. But beyond that, I think all it does is create huge distortions in the system with massive downstream effects. It takes decades to play out, but it plays out in a way that essentially um, uh, hurts us all. And I, and so I, I just I, I find it hard to sort of answer the question within the framework that is in which it's set up because I think the Fair. framework is is flawed. Fair. I'll take uh, my tinfoil hat off now. Yeah. You, you know I have a different view. Listeners probably know that too. But just for the record, I will throw in that I think uh, monetary policy plus fiscal policy can have uh, meaningful. Uh, modifying impact on economic excesses oh it can it can it's just, let's let's have let's i mean interest rates are real right yeah. the cost of money the cost of borrowing is real it just needs to be determined by the market everything but i think that's in the economy in our liberal money. western democracies is, yeah. is set through a is set through a free and open market with with appropriate guardrails you know i think that's, but that's, not, that's the, not the most thing, fundamental right? thing that's the guardrails right? thing i think that's what that's what rates do right rates are blunt but they are they are the guardrail that's that's the point How's that worked out? Very well. Not, not great. Very well. Not great. You think Very so? Well. Yeah, absolutely I do. We have 3.6% so, unemployment. We got through the COVID crash. We got through the GFC with a single quarter of negative growth. I think if you look over the last 40 years, it's been remarkably successful. Dude, in the 50s, a one income household hmm? could buy a house for three times average incomes of one person. Yep. You can have a... We are, we are in real terms, we are... We, we have... We have as an amazing species of of hairless ape created so much productivity and technological marvel mm, mm. and we're working hard we're running faster on the treadmill than we have ever run before mm. something's wrong there something is wrong there and i think it's easy for people particularly privileged white males in 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 our uh you know up in middle class sort of up mm. sort of society it's very easy to go oh, every, what are you talking about everything's fine I don't think every. I think the, the the all of the craziness that we're seeing in the U.S. is all part of a natural consequence of massive distortions within the economy of of trying to sort of um, control things that are just it, it's unreasonable to think you you can control. It's like having a central bank for weather, you know, or something like that. It's it, it's 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 a it's a nonsense. Lizard people have a central bank for weather. Um, the, uh, I, so here's what, here's what, I didn't say everything was perfect or everything was okay there were no problems I said I think it's worked extraordinarily well I think if you can have a cohesive wealthy society with 3.6% unemployment you're in, a, you're in a very good place and given we've had no meaningful economic damage over the last 32 years um, I think, I think is, a, is a remarkable testament to the use of 
monetary and fiscal policy. Horribly talk, imperfectly. Talk, talk to someone who's under 30 and say they've had no economic damage. I mean, they, they, they are pushing poo uphill more than anyone, like, like the previous three or four generations. It's, it's not, though. It's not better. Sure, I, I would the, argue the, the very The 30s could have cheaper housing and 15 percent unemployment. So we want to be careful what we wish for. I think we can look at the imperfections and the outcomes and say, therefore, the whole system sucks. I think that's, I think that's an imperfect way to look at it because I think you look at it and say, okay, are there problems? Yeah. I mean, I, you and I have agreed on on different things about interest rates. I would have had APRA use different buffers. I would have different impacts on house prices. I think the house price issue is far more a tax policy issue than it is a uh, than it is a, a, a monetary policy question, quite honestly. And I think mm. it doesn't. I don't know that high interest rates make any difference at all because you have cheaper cheaper prices, but just as expensive repayments. If you're paying 5% rather than 3% or 8% rather than 6% now, uh, the house might be 25% cheaper, but your repayments aren't any different. I, I think we need to be careful at saying there is a problem and therefore this is the, this, the, the cause and the only solution is this, as opposed to it's a multifactorial problem. I think I would much rather have Keynesian budget management and monetary policy that takes the peaks and troughs off of economic cycles you've only got to look back at some of the booms and busts we've talked about this before but the late 1800 booms and busts recession every seven years 20 percent unemployment massive you know dislocations to the economy i think we need to be careful what we wish for do i want cheaper houses for under 30s absolutely my own bloke's 27 i absolutely get it but am, am i am i also happy that there's 3.6 percent unemployment so he's lucky to keep his job and we've avoided meaningful economic collapse and damage in the meantime we haven't had you know there's very little in the way of long-term unemployment these days the the not nothing and not perfect and all that sort of stuff. You're absolutely right, but I I, th- I think this is the I think this is less imperfect than allowing booms and busts to happen unchecked because we don't want to fix the price of money. Yeah, except that we don't take the peaks and troughs off. We take the troughs off. We don't take the peaks off, right? So oh, it's, again, it's like well, communism would be great if, that's, if that's we had really now, mate. If you, if we, you didn't we, raise rates you... now, what would inflation be? Would it be six point eight percent? I bet you it wouldn't be. I bet you'd be eight or nine percent. That's exactly uh, what's happening. I think we need to be, it's easy to look back and say, well, they're, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying there are no peaks or troughs. I'm saying we take the top, cut the tops off the peaks and fill in the bottoms of the troughs. Not, there's no cycle. There's absolutely a cycle. We just, we just, it's less severe than it would have been without intervention. Yeah, no, I, I'd say the magic of markets is that they, they're self-correcting. You know, that's, that's they what are, they but, do. But the, but the damage they leave behind when they correct is huge. The human, the human impact of 15% unemployment. I mean, take, take COVID, right? Markets do what markets do. If you'd left markets to do what markets do, We'd have had fifteen percent unemployment coming out of the back of COVID, and if you if you can look at that and say, yeah, at least markets would fix it eventually, I'm like, yeah, they would fix it eventually, absolutely. How much human damage would have been done in the meantime? Extraordinary amounts. I don't I don't think the central banks got got the COVID management right. Government certainly didn't get it right, but I I'm glad that it's something rather than doing nothing because that would have been a catastrophe, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we don't know the counterfactual because it's hard, hard yeah. to say. So, well, what would have happened? But yeah. I I I think my, my oh I've said it before. I think. There's this, there's this assumption that we can control it, which is flawed, and that, that, we, that we, we can fix it. You, you, you're gonna, as you say, there's going to be cycles no matter what, yes, right? Yes, um, And that's just a consequence of when we all feel good, we all yes. spend, we all do better. <laughs> Sometimes we get a bit greedy, we go too far. <laughs> Oops, it comes off. Then we get scared, yep. we stop spending. It just, that, that is yep. just the natural cycle of, 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 yes. that comes off the back of, of human behavior. So it's never going to go away, right? Yeah, I, the I, question- I was just going to say the question, I, I, for one, think if taking that premise to be true, which I think mm. it is, mm. I would much prefer to have shorter, sharper, shallower cycles mm. than, than what we do, which is like, no, 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 we've got to protect everything. And again, for the best of reasons, for the best yeah. of intentions, but all we do is that we just make it 
so when the eventual reckoning happens, it's mm. so much more severe, right? So would have COVID been really crap without all of this intervention? Yeah, it would have been much harder. But all do you think we fix that problem, or did we just create a? Did we just kick that can down the road? Oh, we can, we and can, now, we absolutely kick it down the road, but we didn't kick the same size can down the road. I think I don't I don't, I don't think you can look at fifteen. I mean, we don't know the counterfactual. Do you reckon there would have been less than fifteen percent unemployment through COVID with no with no job seeker, no job keeper? I, I have no I have no doubt unemployment would have been over twelve percent, and I have a balance. Yeah, but it would have come back really quickly. Would have come oh, back really no, quickly. So, so look, look what, who would have employed look, those people? Look, and, and new businesses would have been formed, right? And so what what you Eventually. what you have today mm. is you have a, a, a scenario where, in order to fix it, mm. we're all now paying the price of double digit near enough inflation, right? And so we're basically we're all we're all poorer each and every year. I mean, even you got a five percent pay rise, you're still poorer, right? So it's mm. sort of like, did we fix it? I mean, would, would it have been better? My analogy is always that I just think is it's just sort of like, oh my gosh, I really shouldn't have had those six beers. I'm going to have a hangover tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just going to keep drinking so I don't get the hangover. <laughs> no, and at some point when the, when the beer runs dry, I'm going to have the mother <laughs> of all hang- I probably should have just stopped at six and taken my medicine and, and, be, yeah. and, and be dealt with it. And it sounds really brutal and it makes you sound like an ardent free market capitalist, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and I, I'm not saying, I, I'm saying there's a lot of things that we can do on the fiscal side of things to sort of address that and look after our most vulnerable. And that's really the true measure of a society is how it looks after its most vulnerable people. 100%. Yep. You know, that that is that is really super important. I just think the remedy that we that we do mm. ultimately just protects those that have the, the assets mm. and ultimately hurts those that don't. I mean, I look at the employment situation and go, is 3.6% unemployment good? Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm. But it's not really, it's, it's just, it's one data point out of many. US has very low unemployment mm. as well. But you just have literally millions of people who are classed as working poor. But you would, you, like, would say, you would say the market can sort that. Is that, is that what we just said with markets, the best thing to do? Let's not set wages. Let's, let's, let, let's market sort out the wages. No. How what are you different no. interest rates? No, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is that <laughs> you can, you can have, I've got a job, hmm. but it's a soul-crushing, destroying job that barely pays me, and I can And it's not enough for me to to buy the basics of life, i.e., shelter, which is perhaps the biggest one. So, why should the market so, control rates but not wages? I mean, where, where where is the key difference there? If if we're saying the market will get eventually get it right, there are less booms and busts. If people get they getting paid less, but at least they stay in jobs. There's low unemployment. That's worth it, surely. The market will sort yeah. it out. Yeah, well, I mean, over long enough stretches of time, it, it probably does because, and this is this is I agree with you, by the way, that's, the formation that's, yeah. of the the union movement, right? Yeah. Because people are like, wait a sec, we're being screwed here. We are absolutely being screwed over by the by the owners of, of capital, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna form a, a block of of people that we can actually have our voice and and. Boom, we had the eight-hour day. We had all yep. of these kind of in, improvements. So I'm not – I mean, again, I'm not saying – I think too many people look through rose-coloured glasses at, at their preferred ideology, and if we only had that, the world would be perfect. I'm not <laughs> saying that. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying that we live in a harsh, unforgiving universe mm. and that crap happens all the time, and there's always going to be a degree of unfairness. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, right? Is it, is it going to be perfect? No. But I just think by coming in and, and, and meddling in things that we can't realistically hope to, to um, understand or control um, is, is not actually a solution to that. It's, it's just how it is. I say to my kids all the time, they go, it's not fair, Dad. It's like, life isn't fair, right? It just isn't, you know? Get back so down I the wish, salt mine, son. I wish it could. I would, 
I mean, think about this of my kids. I could do it so they never have to lift a finger. I could give <laughs> yeah. them, I can provide everything for them. Yeah. Now, am I actually being a good parent there? <laughs> now, I'm not, look, don't get me wrong. Before anyone writes in, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sending the kids down the salt mine. They, they have a very good life, right? They choose but, you to go to the salt mines. I don't, I honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't make them. They, they like it. You Character building. It's, it's all done for the right best of intentions. I want the best yeah. for my kids. I want them to have an ease. Of course I do. Of course I do. But you look at every trust fund baby that's out there. They're just a little entitled so-and-so. I won't use the language I was going to use. Right? They, they're not good human beings, right? Yeah. They have not been helped by being wrapped in cotton wool and being protected from the reality of, of the world. Mm. And, and so we, we uh, I, I guess it's, I'm not, I, I, I don't want to be misinterpreted as saying. I know. Oh, if only we did this, life would be perfect. It won't. It'd be full of crappy cycles and recessions and unemployment and death and disease and all the things that just, unfortunately, we, we've had to dealt with since we, you know, mm. since forever. Mm. Um, I just don't think that the remedy that we, we don't, I don't think that this central control of money is the remedy that we all see it is. And when you look, again, we can sort of extrapolate to the future, but if we just look historically, you know, the value of the Australian dollar is down like 98% over the last 100 years. I mean, okay, the amount of hours that need to work for me to provide the basics of life have actually gone up. Into, so forget about the unit we want to denominate and measure it in. Just like how much time do I have to <laughs> yeah, spend to get yeah. the things that I want has gone up in a, in a world which is a technological miracle. You know, like, that doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? Like I think sometimes we just need to sort of step back accept the reality of the universe that we live in and ask, are we actually helping here? I think we do help short term. I think absolutely. When these things happen, you go, look, look what we did. It's like, yep, that is much better. Just as my eighth beer makes me feel much better. <laughs> but, but there are longer term consequences to that. And that's, I, I, I feel as though we, we need to step back and take the 40,000 foot view and not the, oh, thank God I got a uh, active kids voucher that I can now use on my kids swimming lessons and buy some soccer boots with. You know, it's just like, yeah, okay, isn't that great? Yeah, but but now we've got inflation because we gave a bunch of money to a bunch of people who didn't need it. And by the way, where did that money came from? Well, it came from the taxes that I paid in the first place and through a bunch of extra borrowing. Now, think about this. When, when governments are in deficit, that is stimulatory because yep, where does right. the shortfall come from? Now, when, when a government tax it, when a government is in in it has a balanced budget. Mm -hmm. It's neither stimulatory or not. Correct. It's, it's, it's a redistribution, absolutely. But there's no extra money being put into the system. Mm -hmm. When you run structural defic deficits, as the US has done, as effectively we have done over yep, many, yep, many years, yeah. we are pumping more and more and more and more money into the system. Yep. It, it is stimulatory, yes. It is, is it inflationary? Yes. <laughs> that money didn't exist before it was mm. poofed into existence, mm. right? And, and does it feel good that I can now get a bit of a, you know, I, I pay less for the kids' swimming lessons or what, I don't know, what, you know whatever, you know, voucher I've got to do or whatever, whatever that money has been targeted? Yes. Is it, is it consequence free? No. We're seeing, we're living through the consequences now, which is we're losing purchasing power at a rate of knots, <laughs> at a massive rate of knots, you know. But it's, but it's, but it's, it's very subtle. And it's very long. It's 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 um, but it's very real. And and I just I I I don't know, mate. I don't know what it is. And and this is probably not a productive conversation. But I sometimes I've always thought the big innovations, whether it's the Jeff Bezos's or the Elons, as crazy as those guys are, and as much as I don't like them in a lot of ways, is they 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 
Their success really came, and the Teslas, I mean, Nikola Tesla and, you know, the, the, the big, the big <laughs> game-changing things who just thought outside the box. And before, they were all crazy at the time. Well, that's as if that's ever going to happen. Oh, rockets that land by themselves or electric cars <laughs> or I don't know why I'm picking on Elon here. But, you know, they're all, they're all a nonsense until they're not, you know. Yeah. And, and it yeah. does take, I think human, humanity moves forward when we can have a objective look at things and, and, tr and, and try something with a fresh perspective. You know, if, if something is sort of demonstrably not worked and we just keep doing it, it's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. It just, it just, I, I feel as like that is, I, 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 I imagine historians in the year 2130 be looking back at certain periods and going, can you, like we do today, we look at the things that sort of happened in 1923 and go, oh my God, what were they thinking, you yeah. know? You don't wonder what we'll, and, and, what we'll regret or, or look back on in 2030. Yeah, oh, but, but now it's different. Now yeah. we've yeah, got yeah, everything right, right now. Yeah. Future generations <laughs> will look society, back and yeah, go, exactly. oh yeah, they just had it figured out. We didn't need to change anything. <laughs> so it's a worthwhile, David Pocock came, got up in parliament the other day and sort of mm. said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. But if it's broke, fix it, right? Yeah. It, was like, it was such a good line. And, and, and it's, I, I feel as though, I feel as though that applies to these big things and and we too often we too often go round and round and round and round and round and just talking about these little things within our bubble within our within the way things are structured with no fresh thinking and it, it's 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 just depressing <laughs> I'm not saying I've got the answers or someone would have but I just sort of like okay we've tried this for a while yeah objectively things have not gotten better on a whole bunch of different measures mm -hmm. Um, and look, I shouldn't be too pessimistic. I mean, humanity is, I mean, I, I have the better lifestyle than King Henry the eighth, right? I just 100%. do. Yeah. Um, so it, it was, and, but that is, that is a story of technology. And I, I would imagine that it, it could be even, even better and, and more prosperous without people with good intentions coming in and distorting the very fundamental mechanism with which we use to coordinate and communicate throughout our extraordinarily complex economy. I disagree. Let's move on. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Rex, this is fascinating. Rex is Regional Express, the, the, the third airline in Australia, third by a very, very long way. Uh, some numbers out today from the company. Oh, so today, this is, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 21st of June. They're planning to lose, not because they want to, because I think this is where we're going to end up, $35 million for the financial year ending June 30, 2023. And it's not because people aren't flying. It's not because airfares aren't high enough. They can't get enough pilots. Rex has one third of its fleet on the ground right now. They simply can't get enough trained staff to put these things in the air. And I just thought that was fascinating. We've talked a lot about unemployment. We've talked a lot about interest rates. We'll talk about unemployment a bit. I forgot some time. But um, I just thought this was fascinating, mate, because this is the, this is, you know, <laughs> there's an ongoing conversation and it's, it's very ideological and very passionate, very heated at different times about, you know, why there's a labor shortage. Is there a labor shortage? Uh, on one hand, you got people saying, well, people should just work. The other hand, you're saying, well, if you put prices up, there won't be a labor, wages up, there won't be a labor shortage. These things go round and round in circles. The reality is, that from probably a combination of, frankly, the COVID lockdowns and, and the fact that we didn't fly for a long time, pilots simply aren't available for Rex to put in the big front seats and put the planes in the sky. And I, I have to say, mate, that we've heard a lot about 
airline profitability. If you can get the planes in the sky, they're making a fortune because they're charging an absolute mozza uh, for the, the plane tickets right now. But if you're Rex and you simply can't get enough pilots, it doesn't matter what the price is. If the plane's not in the air, it's not in the air. And we know that while fuel is a really expensive cost for airlines, the bigger one is when you're paying for planes that are sitting on the ground rather than in the sky earning you money. This is a utilization game. I, just, I, was, I was really, really surprised. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your, your responses to me aren't exactly emphatic today, Andrew. Is what I'm saying. So let's put some context around this. Go on. Dogs breakfast of a company. Um, apologies to shareholders and, and owners. I mean, they do. They provide a wonderful service. I mean, as a consumer, I'm really glad these guys exist. Right. <laughs> After you just called them a dog of a company, go on. Oh well, I mean, it's not their fault. It's just they <laughs> operate in the hardest, one of the hardest industries oh, in the world. Don't they? Yeah. I could have bought shares in 2006 and I would have made absolutely nothing. In fact, I probably lost about 40% in real terms. <laughs> but how unhappy you know? are you right now? You're seeing Qantas and Virgin in the air make a squillion dollars. You're like, oh my God, we could be doing that too if we could just get some bloody pilots. It, yeah. must, be, it must be particularly good. Like, you know, you lose money all the time, right? And you're absolutely right. It's a tough industry. When you look at your big competitors going, they are, Alan Joyce has got the golden, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, even Virgin's making money for the first time in God knows how long. And Rex is like, oh, come on, guys. You know, we, we get our, finally have our chance to get something as an industry and make some cash. And we're actually on the ground because we can't get people to sit up the front. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I could, everything I said about Rex, I can say about the others as well, right? And, and in fact, Qantas is probably the best airline in the world from a financial standpoint. Yes. And it's, yeah. it's still a disaster. Right? Um, <laughs> yes. I, I've, I've said it before, is. mate, if, if you're an airline CEO and you can leave without the company going bankrupt on your watch, that is a remark. That's a five-star success. It's the best you can hope for. So what it do you, really is. Now, again, free market, it's a bit of full circle here. It's just so like, why can't you get enough? Well, you're yeah. not paying enough, right? Yeah. That's the solution. Pay more. If you, if they, look, hypothetical, you double the, the salary, a yeah. whole bunch of people are going to, pilots are going to go, oh, stuff Qantas, I'm going to go work for <laughs> yeah. Rex. Yeah, yeah. The money's better, right? Yeah. It's free market in action. Yeah. Um, they can't do that. Why can't they do that? Because they can't charge enough uh, for their airlines to cover, uh, their tickets to cover costs. Why can't they do that? Because we don't want to pay that. We yeah, correct. can't pay that. <laughs> exactly. Do you know? So it's sort of- Just kind of where the free market starts to break down a little bit, you know, with a duopoly of two airlines that kind of, you know, there's there's a there's something about the scale and, and um, yeah, go on. Well, I, 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 for some reason, assume it as a God-given right that mm -hmm. I should be able to step onto this tube of aluminium and yeah. fly thousands of kilometers for the price <laughs> yeah. of a bus ticket. Yeah, that's all right. $99, I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of, huh? Mm -hmm. um, so what happens here? Well, I, I kind of think charge more. You know, um, you, the, the, this is this is the challenge of business. Whether you're running a lemonade stand, or you're running Qantas or Rex, or whether you're running a CBR, this this is what you need to do. You need to say what service or good can I provide? How much is that going to cost? How much can I charge? And that's it. Yep. And you have this wonderful sort of mechanism that those who can do it viably stay around and make some money, get a good return on their investment and their labor and their effort and their risk, and those that can't fail and good. Right? Except that, because except that. If, if you don't fail, if you let you have zombie companies, yeah. which which again leads to all kinds of massive distortions, mm. and we're all poorer as a society as a result of it. So I kind of think, well, sucks to be Rex right now. Mm. Uh, good luck with that. You know? Except that as a as a as an industry, as a as a, we talk about like the market a lot. You and I both know that if Rex fails. 
Qantas and Virgin are less likely to be competitive than if Rex is around. We've seen, God, it was Ansett, there was Compass Mark 1, 2, 3, and I don't know how many after that. Uh, Ozjet was around for a while. They're the ones I remember. Bonza is kind of flying a little bit right now, trying to find a, a place in the market. There is some, there is some you're, you're right about the industry, but there's also some structural challenges to this industry that suggest that if we let it do its thing, if, if Rex goes broke, we all pay more for air tickets, surely. Yeah, but we kind of need to pay more. I mean, what's this? What, what else I'm, is this? Sorry, oh, either either the pilots say, though, right? well, if you're the only person they're... providing the service, you're going to be able to charge whatever you can. Yeah. Yep. And and unless there's a structural barrier to entry, and that's that is the role of regulators and government, right? Is not to get in there and start telling business, but is is to ensure that there is free and open. Uh, access to that. Mm. So there's no other airline in the world except Qantas. Qantas, all of a sudden I can charge whatever I like. Fantastic. <laughs> and then Richard Branson looks at that and goes, hmm, I'll have some of that 30% net margin. Thank you very much. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll take a 20%. And then, and then competition comes in and does the beautiful thing that it does, which is drive things down to the marginal cost of production at a point where it's still worthwhile making the investment and yet we're also so better off. So mm. this, is, this, is, this is normal. This is what should happen. And this is, this is a very strong signal to, to, to the people running the company. It's like, okay, this is not viable. Something's going to break here. Mm. So we either need somehow have to find a way to, to operate at much lower cost or we somehow have to be able to get away with charging higher prices. That's the bottom line reality of this situation. Now, you could say, well, that feels a bit unfair. It employs a lot of people. Let's just give them a bunch of money. Okay, where's the money come from? Oh, from me, from my taxes. Okay. Well, now there's an opportunity. I'm not against paying taxes, by the way. Um, but okay. But now I can't spend it on something else that may be more valuable, more worthwhile. Uh, or I'm just going to create money out of nowhere and do it. It's like, oh, okay. No one loses. <laughs> Except we all do, right? I'm not, I'm not saying there should be subsidies. I'm, I'm wondering about the role of competition in a market because we know that if if you end up with fewer players, barriers mm. to entry, maybe it depends how you broadly you define it. But the reality is we've seen uh, Qantas and Virgin and before Virgin Ansett use their scale and pricing power to effectively keep third players not out of the market, but to crush them once they joined the market. There is a, the whole competition policy rests on, among other things, the misuse of market power, the ability. Now that, that is, you know, misuse is a, is a loaded term. Because if markets are markets and competition is competition and, you know, hey, Ansett turns up, or sorry, Compass turns up and Qantas says, well, I'll compete with you. I'll charge lower prices and I'll compete. And that's good for consumers until those players go away and the airline price goes straight back up again. Mm. Uh, that, that's, that's the entire- That's another cycle. Misuse yeah, of market cycle. power. Yeah, and, and another, another example of cycles, right? And then and they go put so the you would actually up not, and then you other would... people attract it back in. And So you have no issue yeah. with, with market power being used to crush competitors, to put other businesses out of business. That's the whole ACCC, we disband them because it's all done now. If you could put your Motley Fool's biggest competitors out of business, yep. would you? The pool wouldn't be allowed to. Why not? You got better scale. Because the government, the most government, in the market. Because the government you, would stop us. They would say it's a misuse of market. That, that's the very idea of the misuse of market power, right? Is at some point, we've seen it with antitrust, you know, the, the, the train lines were broken up in the US. The AT&T was broken up in the US. They took action against Internet Explorer when Microsoft bundled it. They said, if you do this, you will put others out of business. You will stop the flourishing of competition. Mm -hmm. Competition, the, 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 the presence of competition is the hallmark. And if there, it isn't there, 
we will do what we can to stop incumbents doing it. Do I want to grow at the expense of our competitors? Absolutely. If mm. the government said, okay, guys, you've gone too far now, could I complain about that? I might complain about that. Our shareholders might complain about that, but policy-wise, I wouldn't complain about it. I think, you know, because if I put all our competitors out of business and then we say, actually, we decided to increase our prices by $1,000 a year, because we can, and we've built a war chest so big that if anyone tries to compete with us, we will make sure they stay out of the market. And as soon as they leave, we'll whack our prices back up and we will effectively earn super profit margins for extended periods of time. There's no barrier to entry except as soon as you do enter. <laughs> the barriers are down, but the snipers are ready. You know, yeah. not, well, come in. It's going to be great. It's fine. There, yeah. there is there the, is some issue there, I think. Yeah, no, there is. But I think that the key delineation there is because of all the examples you mentioned, they're mm. all natural monopolies, like telecommunication networks, um, uh, operating lines, systems. lines were created bit by bit, line by line, and eventually merged and acquired and became eventual monopolies. So those things don't, they're not monopolies by their, because they, they weren't government sell-offs. They were literally built because someone thought there was some money in it. Until all of a sudden, you, you control the only um, transport line between two places. So if you want to get your yep. goods there, I can charge what I want to charge. That, that becomes its own challenge, right? Yeah, but as long as there's nothing to stop me from coming in and competing. This, this, is, the, this is the core crux of it. So, mm. so I, I think where – so you would, you would press your advantage uh, as a business by using pricing – strategies yeah. by you know or everything you can and that's, and that's competition yep. right yep. who wins at the end scale, of the day society scale, wins yep, yep. you know yeah, so but, we all uh, win. but only when it works out though mate this is the thing if, if it stops being a competitive market and we end up with a monopoly position and charge more society doesn't win from that yep and but if i drop my prices the- for a couple of months just to keep someone else out or no one enters because they know what i'm going to do i'd yep. love to have that market yeah well think about airlines right compass mark one two and three ozjet and bonza I mean, are, are you mad if you join the Ocean Airline in Australia? Because it's not going to have any impact. So it, it keeps people out of the market because no one wants to be in that position where they put up their hundreds of billions of dollars, Qantas and Virgin drop their prices, they go broke. Qantas and Virgin put their prices back up and say, see competition. So like, eh, it seems like, uh, you know, predatory behavior to me, allegedly. No, as long as I can, I mean, so you, you and I operate in, in an industry which is, well, I've got to be careful I say this. <laughs> some very oligopolistic, I can't even say the word. Oligopolistic. Um, thank you. Oligopolistic <laughs> features yeah, of, time. of finance. But within the newsletter yeah. business, right, yes. I, can, I, can, I can spin up a sub stack this oh, afternoon totally. yeah. for nothing and I can get in there and I, and I can compete it. And, and, yeah. and so let the market do its thing, right? If you were, if you were in a position to stop me from doing that mm. and by uh, using your market power to unfairly uh, inhibit the entrance of new competitors, that's a mm. different story. Mm. It's a subtle difference, but it's a, it's a key difference. Now, in the case of what's, what's going to stop me from spinning up a new airline if, if mm. Rex and Virgin Claps mm. and Qantas is there? Well, I do need a license. So there's, there's probably something that's, that, that can, we want to make sure that oh, anyone can have a license as long as you tick a certain number of, of, of appropriate boxes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I need access to an airport. Uh, oh, there's another natural monopoly, airports. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you can, you know, it doesn't make sense to put another airport um, in Tempe, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. 10 minutes away from, from Sydney Airport. Um, so you, you guys have a natural monopoly, uh, just like a toll road, just like a power line. Uh, just like these other kinds, like like a power station. So these mm. are the, that that is that's the core difference, right? So so as long as I get equal and fair access to airports and to licensing, um, then I would actually say, yeah, let them burn. If they don't, if they're not viable, let the best man win. 
Um, and the best man will win because they provide the better service, the most, the best value to their their customers. Or they have the biggest uh, balance sheet and can afford to make losses for long enough to put the other guy out of business. Yeah, that's cool too. But I mean, there will there will be someone who will come in and go. Actually, I've got a really good pitch deck. Let's raise some money. Now I've got a big balance sheet because look, all I have to do is this. There's nothing stopping me getting the license. There's nothing stopping me access to the airport. I'm going to do it. I'm going to raise a bunch of money because they're making. Th- I, all I do is go to my investors and go, listen, there's guys over there making a 30% net margin. Okay. Mm. It's ridiculous. I think we could get a 15% margin and still make this incredibly worth our time. Give me the money. You will get that return. Investors will go, how can you be sure that you'll get customers well because i'm offering a much cheaper price and i'm offering the the exact same service and then the market will fix it all up the failure of five airlines in the last 30 years doesn't make you think there's something i mean entering the market is one thing that five vented and five have been crushed i i don't know you can look at that market and say that's a competitive market that seems to be working it seems to be well, a market that's that's. I don't know. I'm, we're talking about airlines because we're at Rex, but the, the the concept continues. I think if if you can, if if a third, fourth, fifth player can be sustainable in those markets, that's a competitive market where competition is rewarded. At this point, you know you, you've you've only got to be stupid enough to put money into an airline to get one up. You're right. You can raise money, sure, mm-hmm. but if it's never yeah. ever ever successful, at what point do you say the market dynamics here are not working? in the favor of competition because every time there is a, a proposed alleged <laughs> startup putative competitor, they get put out of business. At some point you look at the results and go, all the theory in the world of can someone enter? Yeah. Is it easy enough to enter? Well, it takes some money, but you can get a slot at the airport, you can get a license, okay, you can do it. But if you can't succeed, if, if by definition all we see is market power continuing to kill off competitors, I don't, I don't see how that's anything like a definition of a competitive market. I, well, I think we've got a lot of data. I mean, you were flying anywhere in the 60s. I mean, only the rich could fly, Yeah. right? Um, now anyone can fly. Yep. I, can get up to, I can get up to Brisbane mm. this afternoon. It yep. probably cost me 200 bucks or something like that. Yep. I mean, it's insane. Like, well, not insane. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Fall, mate. Same day, you'd probably pay 400 bucks these days, but go on. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I, haven't, I haven't flown oh, for a while, mate. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a boy with a story, but yeah, keep going. But, that, but, that's, but that's, that's the market doing its thing, right? Yeah. Like it, that, that's pricing signals are very important. Um, remember, money is a global coordination and communication system. That's ultimately what it is, right? Yeah. So, at, at points of extreme competition, we all we all fly interstate for ninety bucks, right? At at points where that, because again, it's cycles here. The pendulum swings mm-hmm. sort of both ways. And at this point, it's swinging to a point where where, where um, yeah, it, it is that that is the cost. And and Qantas is going to have a good year. I, I don't know. I haven't looked at. It. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, is that going to be? I mean. History would suggest that they often have really, really bad years. And, and over the grand arc of time, we all sort of do better. So mm-hmm. I kind of think that's cool. But, I mean, it's not that, again, it's, it, I've got to be careful here to sort of say, oh, we just do this and everything's perfect. Absolutely <laughs> not. But, uh, but, but, I, would, but I, would, I guess I would flip the question around and say, well, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Would you come mm-hmm. in and say, no, nah, we need to subsidize Rex because no, of I this? And I, would, I, I think there's two That's just going to distort the system even yeah. more. There's, there's two know. questions. I think my first, the, the first question is, does, this, it, does, it, does a market with two consistent long-term players end up with more, end up with good outcomes for uh, customers? I'll try and find the right word. Not just consumers, because it'll be business to business. Mm-hmm. If there's only two players in a market, uh, unless, there is, unless there is a meaningful chance of a third player being able to enter and be successful, more often than not, ends up with worse outcomes for customers and in a case of airlines consumers. Mm-hmm. So I, I would I would suggest to you that with very few exceptions, the, the difference between a natural monopoly and a natural duopoly is not that different. 
Mm. If we have if we have a system where for seven how long fifty no forty years forty years probably we've only had two airlines in Australia. Mm. There's never been a successful third airline in Australia over forty mm. years. Mm-hmm. And I would say to you at that point, there, it's possible that a two-player market is the most competitive outcome. I think it's much more probable that a two-player market suggests a overuse. I want, I'm going to be careful with making allegations here. Um, suggests a use of market power that limits competition. I think. I think if you haven't got a sustainable third player in a market, there's a very good chance. Oh, Woolies and Coles aren't that dissimilar, actually. They I was going to, I was going to mention them. Right, yeah. so they bought and put out of business other players. They are the more prof- most profitable businesses, supermarkets in the world. I think we said that last week or next week, depending on what we're up to with our pre-records. Um, you know, th- th- those margins are there, not because they're wonderful retailers all of a sudden, though they are. They they are absolutely taking advantage of effectively local mar- monopoly duopoly circumstances, even without in others in the play in the market. Mm-hmm. These guys are still making, you know, what I would suggest globally are profits that should not be this high but for the market circumstance. So are we, are we are, is Australia better off because there are two big supermarkets and others can enter the market? There's no defense. There's a couple of other small ones. Are we better off that if we had five or six, you know, regional competitive supermarkets and margins were lower? I don't think we can make that argument necessarily. You can you can twist it and say, well, maybe there's more supermarkets, maybe there's better service, maybe there's a better range or maybe something, something. I mean, there might be some benefits in having only two somehow. But uh, I, I just think, I think it's almost axiomatic. That if you've only got two large players and they like third, fourth, and fifth, or not at all in the case of airlines, other than maybe Rex with the you know tiny little fifty-eight planes doing their doing their re- mostly regional trips, actually it's not even really direct competition because they're flying to Tari and uh, Mount Isa and wherever else they're flying. Um, I, I just I think it's almost axiomatic that at that point there is not enough competition in the market to actually have proper outcomes for a business's customers in this case consumers. Mm. Uh, yeah, but. You know, despite that advantage, they've mm. still not made money for shareholders. But it's always well, we right? But Qantas is the most profitable in the world. There's no surprise that Woolies and Coles are more profitable than their competitors. Qantas is more competitive, more, you know, profitable than its competitors. What is the common denominator here? It's mm. a geopoly market where there is meaningful pricing power and relatively rational competitors. You know, we version of Qantas both say, we're not going to add capacity. We'll just have the planes full. We'll cancel the ones that are half empty. We'll just play along this game. It'll be fine. And when Bonza turns up or Rex tries to you know, do too much or whatever, we'll, we'll just tickle up the numbers and make sure they don't get to, they're not successful so we can keep raking in the dough. I mean, that's almost the definition of a duopoly. So what do you do? That is an open question. Um, and it probably differs by category, I assume. Um, everything, everything we're up to and including breakups, if you get to that point, I don't think we're there with airlines or... Um, supermarkets, but we saw the, the railroads were broken up, the um, telecommunications players in the US were broken up, basically to create competition where there was where there's too much uh, concentrated market power. Mm. Um, I they should have done more to reject or or modify recent takeovers. Woolies bought Safeway, uh, Woolies bought Flemings, uh, you know, IGA bought Franklin's. It kind of it kind of got sucked up and sucked up and sucked up until there's only two left. Um, so you, you, there's probably a bit of emergent acquisitions that you do. Um, airlines are a very different one because you do have um, limits to the amount of license and stuff. And there's probably more room for, for example, inter- international players to be flying domestically in Australia. There are limitations unnecessarily on domestic flights in Australia. I would I would lower those barriers. There's no real need for them. There now you go. It's not, yep. not open by uh, run by whatever. I'm not I'm not saying I don't even know the answers, mate. I just but I think it starts by acknowledging that there is a undue concentration of market power, which probably ordinarily more often than not leads to uh 
higher profit than would otherwise be the case at the expense of consumers or, or customers. And if that's true, then then the aim of or the role of an ACCC or someone else, including policymakers and legislators, is to say, hey, this isn't working. What can we do? And the answer yep. is probably different with every industry to say, actually, in this area, this should happen. In that area, that should happen. Um, we saw you know, uh, ISPs. The whole concept of the internet service provider was born by saying, we have a monopoly provider of cable. Let's add competition to a market by allowing people to, to, to take part of that. So is it, mm. I don't know, I don't do it with airlines, but there are, there are different options available to, to regulators and legislators, I think, to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with that. I, I just think that too often it's the first order thinking response that gets done, you know, which, is, which just makes it worse. So, I mean, I, I would, again, I would come from the foundation of what do we need to do to allow more competition to flourish? Yes. Absolutely. Not, hey, let's give them a giant subsidy. I, I, or, I have not for a second said we should subsidize them. For, for no, no, no. I know you're not. I know oh, you're okay, not. Yeah. But, that, but too often that is the response, right? Yeah. yeah. And which, is, which just makes it, makes it much, much, much worse. That's I true. mean, I, I've, 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 I've whinged to you before. It's just like the absolute nonsense of the AFSL, the Australian Financial Services License mm. Requirements, mm. which all it does is, is protect the big guys. You know, and it's just like, wait a sec, don't you want more? I mean, do we want to have an open, like, do you want it to be like the crypto market where every idiot offshore Ponzi scheme can come in and start flogging unregistered securities? Like, no, we should have regulation. Yeah. Is yeah. It, Okay, great. I'm with you there. Um, to get that regulation, do you need to spend literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, have really high paid lawyers and do all this other kind of stuff? Like, mm -hmm. whoa, that doesn't actually, or actually counterintuitively, all that does is entrench the power of the existing people Correct. who have the resources to do that. If you, anyone out there is thinking of, of getting into the game that you and I are in, good luck. You know, it's, it's like it's, it's nigh on impossible unless you have very, very big backing from entrenched players. Mm. And so it's just like, um, well, wh wh what, do you, what do you do there? Mm. Well, mm. You, you make it. There's a, there's a company on the ASX called Novati, which I won't go into the – the, what they, but they tried to get a. I mean, it took them forever to get a yeah. banking license, and the. I mean, just like wait a second, shouldn't we be doing? Do, should we let anyone come in and start lending money? No, no. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Right. Yep. Exactly. But yep. but are the hurdles so ridiculously high? Is I mean, it, it, this is. I guess my point is is that can something and should something be done? To your point, mm -hmm. uh, in circum, certain circumstances of of. Uh, objective market failure. Yes, yeah. you and I are on the same page. Yep. yep. And I know you're not saying this. I'm not going to. I'm not saying that That's you are. You know, yeah. yep. But but too many too often the <laughs> the yeah. response the, the 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 cure is worse than the disease. Throw money at it. Yeah, you know exactly. And that and that is and then it just it just distorts things even yep. further and yep. actually just helps helps the incumbents even more. Correct. Because they um, they all they all they all bank the subsidy. And then yeah. try to make money on top of that. So you basically just you're patting the profit margins. There's no requirement to give that back if if something goes wrong or doesn't work. I think that's exactly. I think that's true. I think that's the I can I 100 again. We we as always we kind of come from slightly different perspectives, but end up in the same in the same kind of situation. It's a very challenging situation to try to resolve um, without knowing what the right the right solution is. But I do think the, it starts with the the understanding that markets do become can become counter or anti-competitive 
and that yep. solving for that is worth doing. And then we get into, as you say, what do we do about it? How do we make it work? What is the result? Um, AFSL is yes. a great example, right? Like I'm a big fan of the AFSL regime for what it's worth, but the fact it costs upwards of or tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars and takes six months. Just to apply. This, right? And you kind of think, you know, there's no, that, no, that's not required for the rules to be followed. Yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not even necessarily, it, it's, the, it's the, you know, sometimes the calcification of the process rather than the objective. And sometimes it is worth saying, hey, we agree on the objective, but the way we get there is broken. Let's, have, let's try and fix that. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Oh, that's a big podcast. Matt, will you come back on Sunday? Mate, you know I will. I love, <laughs> I love, I love these will, discussions. We will get yeah. stuck into the mailbag. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.